Ricky Ticky held on with his eyes shut, for now he was quite sure he was dead. But the head did not move, and the big man picked him up and said, It's the mongoose again, ass. The little chap has saved our lives now. Then Teddy's mother came in with a very white face and saw what was left of Nag, and Ricky Ticky dragged himself to Teddy's bedroom and spent half the rest of the night shaking himself tenderly to find out whether he really was broken into 40 pieces, as he fancied. When morning came, he was very stiff, but well pleased with his doings. Now I have Nagaina to settle with, and she will be worse than five nags, and there's no knowing when the eggs she spoke of will hatch. Goodness, I must go and see Darzee. Without waiting for breakfast, Ricky Ticky ran to the thorn bush where Darzee was singing a song of triumph at the top of his voice. The news of Nag's death was all over the garden, for the sweeper had thrown the body on the rubbish heap. Oh, you stupid tuft of feathers! Is this the time to sing? Nag is dead, is dead, is dead. The valiant Ricky Ticky caught him by the head and held fast. The big man brought the bang stick, and Nag fell in two pieces. He will never eat my babies again. Oh, that's true enough. But where's Nagaina? Nagaina came to the bathroom sluice and called for Nag. And Nag came out on the end of a stick. The sweeper picked him up on the end of a stick and threw him upon the rubbish heap. Let us sing about the great red-eyed Ricky Ticky. If I could get up to your nest, I'd roll your babies out. You don't know when to do the right thing at the right time. You're safe enough in your nest there, but it's war for me down here. Stop singing a minute, Darzee. For the great, the beautiful Ricky Tiggy's sake, I will stop. What is it, O killer of the terrible nag? Where is Nagiina for the third time? On the rubbish heap by the stables, mourning for nag. Great is Ricky Tiggy with the white teeth. Bother my white teeth. Have you ever heard where she keeps her eggs? In the melon bed, on the end of the nearest wall, where the sun strikes nearly all day. She hid them there weeks ago. And you never thought it worthwhile to tell me? The end nearest the wall, you said? Ricky Ticky, you're not going to eat her eggs? Not eat, exactly, no. Darzee, if you have a grain of sense, you will fly off to the stables and pretend that your wing is broken, and let Nagaina chase you away to this bush. I must get to the melon bed, and if I went there now, she'd see me. Darzee was a feather-brained little fellow who could never hold more than one idea at a time in his head. And just because he knew that Nagaina's children were born in eggs like his own, he didn't think at first that it was fair to kill them. But his wife was a sensible bird, and she knew that cobra's eggs meant young cobras later on. So she flew off from the nest and left Darzee to keep the babies warm and continue his song about the death of Nag. Darzee was very much like a man in some ways. She fluttered in front of Nagaina by the rubbish heap and cried out, Oh, my wing is broken! The boy in the house threw a stone at me and broke it! Nagaina lifted up her head and hissed, You warned Ricky Tiki when I would have killed him. Indeed, and truly, you've chosen a bad place to be lame in. And she moved toward Darzee's wife, slipping along over the dust. The boy broke it with a stone! Well... It may be some consolation to know that I shall settle accounts with the boy. My husband lies dead 
of a rubbish heap this morning, but before night the boy in the house will lie very, very still. What is the use of running away? I am sure to catch you. Little fool, look at me! Darcy's wife knew better than that, for a bird who looks at a snake's eyes gets so frightened that she cannot move. Darzee's wife fluttered on, piping sorrowfully and never leaving the ground, and Nagaina quickened her pace. Ricky Tikki heard them going up the path from the stables, and he raced for the end of the melon patch near the wall. There, in the warm litter above the melons, very cunningly hidden, he found twenty-five eggs, about the size of a bantam's eggs, but with whitish skin instead of shell. I was not a day too soon, he said for he could see the baby cobras curled up inside the skin, and he knew that the minute they were hatched, they could each kill a man or a mongoose. He bit off the tops of the eggs as fast as he could, taking care to crush the young cobras, and turned over the litter from time to time to see whether he had missed any. At last, there were only three eggs left, and Ricky Ticky began to chuckle to himself when he heard Darcy's wife screaming, Ricky Ticky, I led Nagaina toward the house, and she has gone into the veranda, and, oh, come quickly, she means killing. Ricky Ticky smashed two eggs and tumbled backward down the melon bed with a third egg in his mouth, and scuttled to the veranda as hard as he could put foot to the ground. Teddy and his mother and father were there at early breakfast, but Ricky Ticky saw that they were not eating anything. They sat stone still, and their faces were white. Nagaina was coiled up on the matting by Teddy's chair within easy striking distance of Teddy's bare leg, and she was swaying to and fro, singing a song of triumph. Son of the big man that killed Nag, stay still. I am not ready yet. Wait a little. Keep very still, all you three. If you move, I strike. And if you do not move, I strike. Oh, foolish people who killed my nag! Teddy's eyes were fixed on his father, and all his father could do was to whisper, Sit still, Teddy. You mustn't move. Teddy, keep still. Turn around, Nagina. Turn and fight. <laughs> oh, in good time. I will settle my account with you presently. Look at your friends, Ricky Ticky. They are still and white. They are afraid. They dare not move. And if you come a step nearer, I strike. Look at your eggs in the melon bed near the wall. Go and look, Nagiina. The big snake turned half round and saw the egg on the veranda. To me. Ricky Ticky put his paws one on each side of the egg, and his eyes were blood red. What price for a snake's egg, for a young cobra, for a young king cobra, for the last, the very last of the brood? The ants are eating all the others down by the melon bed. Nagaina spun clear around, forgetting everything for the sake of the one egg. Ricky Ticky saw Teddy's father shoot out a big hand catch Teddy by the shoulder and drag him across the little table with the teacups, safe and out of reach of Nagaina. Tricked, tricked, tricked. Rick, tick, tick. 
The boy is safe, and it was I, I, that caught Nag by the hood last night in the bathroom. Then he began to jump up and down all four feet together, his head close to the floor. He threw me to and fro, but he could not shake me off. He was dead before the big man blew him in two. I did it. Come then, Nagaina. Come and fight with me. You shall not be a widow long. Nagaina saw that she had lost her chance of killing Teddy, and the egg lay between Ricky Tiki's palms. Give me the egg, Ricky Tiki. Give me the last of my eggs, and I will go away and never come back. Yes, you will go away, and you will never come back. For you will go to the rubbish heap with a nag. Fight, widow. The big man has gone for his gun. Fight! Ricky Tiki was bounding all round Nagaina, keeping just out of reach of her stroke, his little eyes like hot coals. Nagaina gathered herself together and flung out at him. Ricky Tiki jumped up and backward. Again and again and again she struck, and each time her head came with a whack on the matting of the veranda, and she gathered herself together like a watch spring. Then Ricky Tiki danced in a circle to get behind her, and Nagaina spun around to keep her head to his head, so that the rustle of her tail on the matting sounded like dry leaves blown along by the wind. He had forgotten the egg. It still lay on the veranda, and Nagaina came nearer and nearer to it, till at last, while Ricky Tiki was drawing breath, she caught it in her mouth, turned to the veranda steps, and flew like an arrow down the path with Ricky Tiki right behind her. When the cobra runs for her life, she goes like a whiplash flicked across a horse's neck. Ricky Tiki knew that he must catch her or all the trouble would begin again. She headed straight for the long grass by the thorn bush, and as he was running, Ricky Tiki heard Darzee still singing his foolish little song of triumph. But Darzee's wife was wiser. She flew off her nest as Nagaina came along and flapped her wings about Nagaina's head. If Darzee had helped, they might have turned her, but Nagaina only lowered her hood and went on. Still, the instant's delay brought Ricky Tiki up to her, and as she plunged into the rat hole where she and Nag used to live, his little white teeth were clenched on her tail, and he went down with her, and very few mongooses, however wise and old they may be, care to follow a cobra into its hole. It was dark in the hole, and Ricky Tiki never knew when it might open out and give Nagaina room to turn and strike at him. He held on savagely and stuck out his feet to act as brakes on the dark slope of the hot, moist earth. Then the grass by the mouth of the hole stopped waving, and Darzi said, It is all over with Ricky Tiki. We must sing his death song. Valiant Ricky Tiki is dead. For Nagaina will surely kill him underground. So he sang a very mournful song that he made up on the spur of the minute. And just as he got to the most touching part, the grass quivered again and Ricky Tiki, covered with dirt, dragged himself out of the hole leg by leg, licking his whiskers. Darzee stopped with a little shout. Ricky Tiki shook some of the dust out of his fur and sneezed. It is all over. The widow will never come out again. And the red ants that lived between the grass stems heard him and began to troop down one after another to see if he had spoken the truth. Ricky Tiki curled himself up in the grass and slept where he was, slept and slept till it was late in the afternoon, for he had done a hard day's work. 
After he had awoke, he said, Now, I will go back to the house. Tell the coppersmith, Darzee, and he will tell the garden that Nagaina is dead. The coppersmith is a bird who makes a noise exactly like the beating of a little hammer on a copper pot. And the reason he is always making it is because he is the town crier to every Indian garden and tells all the news to everybody who cares to listen. As Ricky Tikki went up the path, he heard his attention notes like a tiny dinner gong and then the steady ding-dong-tock. Nag is dead, dong! Nagina is dead. That set all the birds in the garden singing and the frogs croaking for Nag and Nagaina used to eat frogs as well as little birds. When Ricky got to the house, Teddy and Teddy's mother, who looked very white still, for she had been fainting, and Teddy's father came out and almost cried over him. And that night, he ate all that was given him till he could eat no more, and went to bed on Teddy's shoulder, where Teddy's mother saw him when she came to look late at night. He saved all our lives, and Teddy's life. Just think, he saved all our lives. Ricky Tikki woke up with a jump, for the mongooses are light sleepers. Oh, it's you! What are you bothering for? All the cobras are dead, and if they weren't, I'm here. Ricky Tikki had a right to be proud of himself, but he did not grow too proud, and he kept that garden as a mongoose should keep it, with tooth and jump and spring and bite, till never a cobra dared show its head inside the walls. This has been a production of Baker's Book Nook. A tremendous cast of guest voice actors made this broadcast possible. Special thanks to Matthew Baker as the voice of Teddy, Benjamin Daly as the voices of Nag and Karate, Amanda Jarvis as the voices of Nagaina and Teddy's mother, Jared Jarvis as the voices of Darzee and Teddy's father, Samuel Rice doing the poem introduction, and Raniel Santos as the voice of Chuchandra. If you like this episode, please consider following Baker's Book Nook on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and leaving a five-star review, or sharing this podcast with a friend or family member. Many hours of dedication are invested recording and editing Baker's Book Nook episodes, and sharing this podcast means that more listeners can enjoy the work we have created. And of course, thank you for listening to this episode. Remember, you are welcome back to the Baker's Book Nook anytime.